Hey, thanks for reading those scriptures for us this morning, kids. Uh, good morning, Riverview. Let's just dive right in this morning, and let's talk about perhaps the greatest challenge that we have right now in this very moment. Right now, uh, we're sitting at home, aren't we? And we're sitting at home because of a virus. But I don't think that's the greatest challenge that we're facing right now. Uh, some of us, we're, we're aware of what's going on in the economy. We know that the economy is, is rocky and it's fragile at best. I don't think that's the greatest challenge that we have right now. Uh, some of you, like, man, you are sitting at home right now, right? And, and you're, you've been watching Netflix, and uh, I mean, you've almost worn that thing out, and you've kind of gotten to the end of your shows. And because now you're at the end of your shows, you're wondering, what are we going to watch now? I don't think that's the biggest challenge that we're facing right now. Do you want to know what I think is the biggest challenge that we're facing right now, right here, right now? I think the, the greatest challenge that we're facing today is this true sense of contentment. I'm going to say that again. I think the biggest challenge that we're facing right now is really this true sense of contentment. Like, think about it right now. In this season of your life, like where everything's changed. I mean, there's probably maybe a couple things about our life that are still the same, but right now it feels like everything has changed around us. Are you content where you are right now? Are you content with the people that are sitting around you in your house? Are you content with the car that's sitting out in the driveway? Are you content in the house that you're sitting in right now? Are you content with your kids? Are you content with your husband? Are you content with your spouse? This, are you content? Are you con content with your dog? For heaven's sake, if you've got a cat sitting around the house, are you content with the cat who's sitting around there as well? Are you content? And, and this is what I mean by content. Is your heart settled on the truth that you have everything that you need right now? Do you, have, do you believe that you have everything that you need? Or is there something that just kind of keeps disrupting this peace that you have that says, you know what? You need more. You don't have everything that you need. You need more than what you have right here, right now, in this moment. You know, you just don't have enough. Or, you know what? Uh, this situation that you're in right now, whatever that is, it could be a little bit better. Like this could change and let's just, just pray that it changes and just pray that everything's different. If it, and if it changed, then you might be able to be content. You'll feel better when, you'll be more content when, and then you fill in the blank. If we have this, it's going to get better. I'll be more content when she does this, then that's going to get better. I'll be more content when they do this or when we have this. Like, but what's your when? You fill in the blank. When are you going to be content? What fills in the gap there that makes you content? And when does that when come? I, 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 I think we need to change right now how we're thinking about what contentment might be. That we may, might need to be able to think about, hey, what is it that truly gives me a settled heart? And because right now I think maybe we're in this realm of, man, if I had all of these things, then my heart would be settled. And we're, we're trying to fill in this wind of when that's going to be. Tell me if this has ever happened to you. You're literally having the best day that you've ever had in your life, right? Things are going perfectly. And, and your perfect might be different than your perfect, and your perfect might be different than their perfect. Um, some of y'all's perfect is crazy. My perfect is probably crazy to you. But for whatever, whatever perfect is for you, you've had the perfect day. And then for whatever reason, 
you come home and you jump on Instagram and you see, oh, Sally Miss always has everything together sitting on Instagram. And you know who she is. You know who they are for you. But they've got everything together. The, the, the table's all set. The cups are there. The plates are there. The napkins are there. There's candles on the table. This is Pinterest and Instagram ready. Then all of a sudden, your perfect day doesn't seem as perfect as it once did. You start looking and comparing to what Sally's got going on, and you're thinking, well, my day just, and nothing's changed, right? You still had the perfect day, but you don't have food sitting on the table, and so your contentment level changes. You've had a perfect day, and so you didn't want to stop today. You brought in food, drive-through food, and you set it on the table, and you're just, I mean, just ready to chomp down, but you see theirs, and it just doesn't compare, and nothing has changed. Your day was perfect, except your contentment level. Your contentment level has changed for whatever reason. Now, we've all been there, right? Your scenario probably looks a little bit different than that. Your, your Sally might be somebody different, but we know what it's like to jump in and out of a place of contentment like that because contentment for us sometimes is so fickle. It can go up and down like the current trend of the mullet, right? That's right, I said it. Contentment sometimes is like a mullet. Is, is the mullet in right now or is it out? Is it good to have one or is it bad to have one? If you're sitting at home right now and you're wearing a mullet, answer us. Let us know. I'm going to go with that thing needs to be out, okay? But contentment sometimes is like that. Is it in? Is it out? Am I up or am I down? But what if contentment for us wasn't something that was so fickle and it was actually something that we already had? I, I want to suggest to you this morning that if you're in Christ, you have everything that you need to be content in Christ. If you're in Christ, you have every single thing that you need in order to be content. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up Philippians. We've kind of been in Philippians for the past uh, couple of months now, and I've enjoyed our time there, but today it's going to come to an end. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, please open it up to Philippians chapter 4. That's where we're at um, this morning. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this series uh, and we're going to look at how Paul talks about having this, this settled heart. Paul is a guy who's been reminding us that we live today, right now, not tomorrow, but we live today in light of the eternity that we've already been given. We know that we've been made children of God. We know that we've been made citizens of heaven. And because of that, we live that out in light of eternity today. How we live, how we move, how we breathe, how we embrace relationship, how we, how we parent, how we steward our finances. We live in light of that eternity now. And so what Paul has told us is that we've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and we've been placed into this kingdom of light. And this kingdom of darkness had its rules, it had its ethics, it had its values that, that governed how we lived. But now that we've been placed in the kingdom of heaven, we're under new management. We're under, new, we're under a, a new king, the king of heaven. And we've got a different set of values. We've got a different set of morals. We've got a different set of ethics that we live by that, is, that are so contrary to what God has already taken us out of. And so Paul reminds us of that over and over and over in the book of Philippians. But now in chapter four here in this back half, we're gonna get to see how this works out in our contentment. How do we be citizens of heaven who are now living on this earth content with where we are, with what we have, and how God is using us? Can we be content 
We're going to look at Paul's life here, and we're going to, we're going to see that um, we can have a settled heart. And Paul's going to show us how we have a settled heart here. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the few minutes that we get to spend together in your word. I want to pray that you would just use it mightily to bring glory to yourself and that you would use it mightily to help us stay focused on you and to be completely content knowing that we have all that we need in you. Whatever's going on in our house, whatever's going on wherever we're watching this, Lord, would you just bring a peace and a calm so that we can hear clearly from you this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, remember, uh, Paul, um, he's in prison and he's experiencing some level of hardships here. And the church in Philippi uh, have sent Epaphroditus, or they sent Epaphroditus to him while he was in Rome. Epaphroditus got sick, but he was bringing a monetary gift to drop off with Paul. And then Paul sends him back after receiving that gift to make sure that he can be uh, cared for there. And so Paul, at the beginning uh, at verse 10 here and, and following, he's saying, man, I am so thankful that you guys have renewed your concern for me. Um, the, the church had been supporting Paul. He was a missionary sent out from them. He helped plant the church there, and then he left, and he went to go plant churches all around the known world at that time. And they had been supporting and supplying that need. Listen, on a side note, that's one of the reasons why we support financially the missionaries that we support who have gone out of Riverview or who are connected to Riverview. We want to help provide for them while they're on the field so they can, in fact, do the work of God in those areas where the gospel may not be heard, where the gospel may be minimally heard, and so that people's lives can be transformed by the good news of Jesus. And so that's why we support them. And so, but for whatever reason right now, there was, there was something that had happened. We don't know exactly what it is, right? But there was something that happened that, that, uh, that forced them to remove support from Paul for a little while, but now that's changed. And so they've regained their support for Paul and they're able to send money to him again. And so Paul is saying, thank you. I thank the Lord for your concern for me. You've partnered with me. We're in this thing together. So much so that he says in verse 17, a little bit later, that this isn't about money. This is about the fact that people are getting to hear about the good news of Jesus. There is fruit that's happening because of the money that you're giving, and this is going to your reward. Um, but in verse 11 and in the second part of verse 17, he's kind of walking this balance of saying, hey, thank you, but I really didn't need anything that you sent. I already have everything that I need. And, it, and it, listen, Paul, he wasn't being ungrateful at all here. He's super thankful. He just wants to make sure that they know that his contentment isn't on the fact if he's got money or he doesn't have money, if he's got material needs or if, he does, if his material needs aren't being met. He wants them to know that there isn't anything that's adding to his joy that is going to come outside of Christ. If he's got food, good. If he's got clothes, good. I don't know if they had toothpaste back then, but if he's got toothpaste, good. If he's got toilet paper, don't know if they had toilet paper, but if he's got toilet paper, that's good. Those are all good things, right? But Paul says, I want you to know that, it's, that, that I wasn't really in need. I had everything that I needed in order to be content before you sent that, but thank you. Listen to what he says here in verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be, what's the word there? to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance 
and need. I want you to go ahead and underline uh, the word uh, learned there. It shows up once in verse 11, and then it shows up in verse 12 as well. And I want you to underline uh, the word content, because Paul is telling us here that contentment isn't something that happens overnight. Contentment is actually something that is learned over time. It's, it's, not, it's not something that comes natural. But how, how does contentment show up then? How does somebody learn contentment? Is it something that, like, do you go to bed one, ni- at, at, you know, one night, man, I am disgruntled, I'm grumpy, I'm cantankerous, I'm finding joy in absolutely nothing around me, and then all of a sudden you go to bed and some miraculous event happens at night and you wake up in the morning like, ta-da, I'm awake and everything has changed in my life. I am now the most content person that the world has ever seen. Does that happen? I don't think that's what happens at all. You have to learn to be content. And if you have to learn to be content, that means it's not natural. It's not something that comes easily. It's not something that just shows up overnight. You find yourselves in opportunities to be content, to practice some level of contentment, don't you? It's like when Paul was writing this letter, um, there, were, there were a group of philosophers who, who uh, believed in a certain level of contentment. And that certain level of contentment was all wrapped up in this idea that you could, that contentment was based in self-sufficiency. If you could reach a place where you needed no one and you didn't need anything from anybody else, if, if you had everything that you needed, you had the house, you had the money, you had the spouse, you had the kids, you had the status, you had the knowledge, you had everything that the culture said that you needed right then, if you could have it all, then you were able to say that you were content and content being self-sufficient, self-reliant. You don't need anybody else it really doesn't sound a whole lot different than what we experience in our day-to-day experience right now, right? It's kind of where our culture is. I'll be content when I get the big house, or I'll be content when I get the white picket fence around the house. I'll be content when I've got the stereotypical 2.2 kids. I'll be content when I've got X amount of money sitting out in my bank account, and then on top of that, when I've got money sitting in retirement, and then if I'm following Dave Ramsey's, all his steps, I'm able to fulfill them, every one of them completely, then I'll be content. I'll be content if I can find uh, somebody to marry me. Um, and well, heaven's sake, uh, let me find a boyfriend or a girlfriend first if I can get somebody to date me. Then I'll be content. I'll be content when I'm able to have my own room. I'll be content when I can follow the fashion trends or I can keep up with all the tech trends. When I have what everybody else has and I don't feel different than everybody else. When I have the right phone or the right watch or the right car, I'll be content then. Then I'll have this contented heart. I'll have a settled heart if I could do that. The problem is, all that stuff is circumstantial, right? It's all based on your circumstances. You may never get the girl. (laughs) You may never get the guy. You may never have all the money that you wanted to have. You may never have kids. You may never have the house that you've been dreaming about for all of your life. It's based on circumstances. See, we live in a world where, where nothing stays the same. Everything is changing from moment to moment. Actually, from second to second, things are changing all around us. And so if my contentment is based on everything staying the same, then freeze the frame. 
Nobody move, nobody go anywhere because this house of cards comes falling down, right? Because if something changes, our contentment is going to be in jeopardy. Or if I'm hoping that everything changes and nothing changes, then my peace and my joy and my contentment, it's in jeopardy. You, you see how this works? It's all circumstantial. It's so fickle. It's so up and down. It's so mullet-like. Is it in? Is it not? Am I content or am I not content? So what Paul does is he takes that idea of contentment being self-sufficiency and he turns it upside down on top of its head and he says that true contentment, it's not about having more stuff. It's not about having all the right stuff, even though having some stuff would be nice. It's not even about being able to control all the outcomes and to know how things are gonna work out. Our contentment is found not in self-sufficiency. Our contentment is found in Christ's sufficiency, knowing that he alone is in control. He alone is worthy. And if I have him, if I believe that Christ is enough and that I have everything that I need in him, then I can find my place of contentment. Yeah, like it's nice to have stuff, but a truth for us to remember, to let sink into our mind, to work down into our hearts, and then to be lived out in our lives is to understand that I have everything that I need to be content when I have Christ. So how does Paul learn how to be content? How, do, how does he learn to practice this? Well, it didn't just happen. He didn't just wake up with it, right? Like he was put into certain circumstances and situations where he was able to practice it. Through all kinds of circumstances, Paul learned what it was like to find out that Christ is enough. That's he, that's, that he is really all that you need, whether you've got a ton of things or nothing at all. He says, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I've been in situations where I can, I can control and I've been in situations where I am completely out of control. I've been in situations where I had everything that anybody could ever imagine ever wanting to have in their life, but I've also had absolutely nothing to speak of. I've been on that roller coaster. I've been up and down, and I've learned from it. See, Paul's a guy, he's had these extreme highs, and he's had these extreme lows. He's been up, he's been down. He's known abundance, and he's known affluence. Even as a Christ follower, right, we know that he was a, um, a Pharisee. We know that he had status and prestige. But even as a Christ follower, he's been around affluence. He's been around um, prosperous people, and he's benefited from that. You, guys, you remember Lydia? L Lydia was the gal who was partly responsible for the church being established in Philippi, right? She was one of those first three. Lydia, the Philippian jailer, and uh, the demon-possessed demon slave girl, right? They were all part of that. But Lydia was the seller of purple. She had money. She had prestige. She had the house. She had the servants. Everything was working in her favor, right? She had this big pad, great food, great people serving it. Can you imagine the banquets that they had in that house? Like, they're out sharing the gospel. People are coming to know who Jesus is. They're eating around the table. People are serving them around that table. It had to have been luxurious. Imagine sitting around that table. Paul knows what it's like to be around affluence. He knows what it's like to be comfortable. But here's kind of the catch, 
Here's the danger. In situations where you have everything and there's affluence all around you, it's not bad to have stuff, so never, don't hear me saying that. The catch is, though, when you have all this stuff, it's so easy for us to take our eyes off of Jesus and to become so reliant on the stuff that we have, the money, the affluence, the prestige, the status, whatever that is, that we would consider, you know, wealth for us. And, 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 and we find our contentment there in our things instead of finding our contentment in Christ and in Christ alone. Paul's saying that he learned contentment on Christ and Christ alone by being around affluence, that I didn't allow affluence to affect my contentment in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, okay? I, I, I don't, but I, I know for me, when I get around wealthy people, I'm like, dang, it'd be nice to have all this stuff. It'd be comfortable to have all of this stuff. Now, sometimes it, it turns me off when I'm around, but there are times where I'm just like, man, it would be really nice. Things would be a lot better if I had all of this stuff. I've got a, a friend who I just love dearly, and the guy is, is wealthy beyond belief. And, uh, and, and when I go to spend time with him, guys, like his house is huge. And when I go there, he's got all kinds of trinkets, toys, gadgets, and like it's just, it just it's really am- amazing. But when I go there, I have to guard my heart. I, I do. I have to guard my heart because uh, it can easily drift off into this place of if I had all of this stuff, there'd be more joy in my life. If I had all this stuff, I'd be more, more content. Um, actually, um, when we go there, uh, our kids are kind of like, hey, can uh, we live in this mansion? Can we just stay here? I'm like, no, we, no, what, who, what are, whose kids are you? Like, no, go get back in the hoopty. We're going to drive home. We got to get some gas and we're heading back to the house. This stops right now, okay? But this is what Paul's working through, right? Paul's saying, I'm not phased by the wealth because I easily walked away from all of that wealth because what happened is Paul walks outside of Lydia's house and then he goes down the street and he bumps into this demon-possessed slave girl and he shares the gospel with her. Transform, God transforms her life through the words that Paul gives to her, right? Through Christ, her life is completely flipped upside down, but the, 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 the people who owned her didn't like that. And so Paul gets beaten. He gets slammed. He gets thrown into jail. He's treated like trash in the jail. He said, but it doesn't matter. Because people were coming to the Lord. I was easily walking away from affluence. I wasn't tied to that. And so I know what it's like. Wealth is nice, but he could give it up in a heartbeat. But Paul's comfortable around affluence, but he's also no stranger to walking through hardships. He's not pretending that he's been through hard things. He's not just kind of blowing smoke when he says, like, I've had some ups and I've had some serious downs. It's like, no, all we have to do is read a little bit in in the the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians just to get a little bit of a window into what Paul's actually experienced here, right? Here's what he talks about. He says, man, I have been hungry and I've been thirsty. I've been poorly clothed. I've been roughly treated. I've been homeless. I've been beaten. I've been in prison. I've been on the backside of riots. I've had sleepless nights. I've been shipwrecked three times. And not only was I shipwrecked, but there was a day and an entire night that I spent out in the open sea. And that for me, guys, that's when I'm done. Man, like I would have been like, nope, now I'm done. This is enough for me because I've watched Shark Week, okay? I know what happens in that water. I know what sharks can do. And I'd be like, nope, this is not happening again. But Paul says, man, I was out in open water. There was a night and a day out in the water. I was hungry, thirsty, cold. I wasn't lacking anything. I just wasn't. And through those hardships, he knew what it was like to practice being content in Christ alone because 
in those moments. Christ is all he had. He had nothing. His life and Christ, that was it. Paul knew what it was like to have affluence. And he said, this is nice, but all I need is Jesus. And he knows what it was like to go hungry, homeless, sleeping out in the cold. He says, man, this stinks. It does. But I have everything that I need, and I can be content in Christ. Now, I'm going to be honest here, okay? Because sometimes I think that we, we would, there would be, we believe if there was something that, that could come along and just be like, bam, if it could just change my perspective, if it would just say, Lord, like knock me into my place where you are all that I see. Just bam, knock me into my place where I see that you are all that I need. But usually that's not how this happens, right? Learning to be content is something that happens over a life of being placed in circumstances where we get to practice being content, where we get to practice a closeness with Jesus where he is all that we have or he is all that we see. It's over a lifetime of being saturated and satisfied in him and him alone. But here, here's the catch. Right now, in the situation that we're in, we're all sitting at home right now. If we're willing to look at it this way, we have right now one of those crisis moments. We have one of those, bam, like this could change everything. Like we've literally had everything swept off the table for us. And we have a choice of how we're going to choose to walk through this current crisis, how we're going to choose to walk through this pandemic. Um, those who, who are affluent and find yourself, whatever wealth looks like for you, those who are in that category, <clears throat> you have a choice to self-reliantly focus on everything that you have and say, so, you know what, this, this really isn't that big of a deal. This economic situation, the things that we're walking through, like we have enough and we're gonna be just fine. And we can just look at our stuff and be like, okay, we're good. And, that, and that's what rides us through. Or you can say, you know what, like this, this is gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for everyone, but I'm, but I'm just thankful that I have Christ. I'm thankful that I can be content in him. We, God has blessed us with this, but I'm not finding my contentment there. I'm finding my contentment in Christ and in Christ alone. And then those who are on the backside of, of, of affluence. Maybe, maybe that's just kind of not where you're at right now. You, you, you have an opportunity in your side of the spectrum too to focus in on Jesus, understanding that he is all that you need. And I, I have everything that I need right now. I mean, I really feel like everything's been pulled away from me, but I have everything that I need to be content because I have Christ and so for you, you're using your situation to dig in and to say, you know what, I have everything that I need. And for the affluent person, you have everything that you need in Christ. And this is an opportunity for you to dig in there too, to find out where is my joy going to be? Where is my contentment going to come from? Is it going to come from my stuff, my lack of stuff, or is it going to come in Christ and in Christ alone? See, our circumstances, they don't get to dictate. They just don't. They don't get to dictate our contentment and they don't get to dictate our joy. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to pay real close attention here to verse 13, okay? Um, because uh, this is one of the scriptures that is probably one of the most, un uh, most misunderstood and misrepresented scriptures in all of the text, okay? But I think this verse is where the power of this context comes from, that there's a secret here that's hiding, and it's hiding right in plain sight that shows us that contentment is really in Christ. This is where the power is, okay? But let's look at verse 12 again. It says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So Paul said something here. 
that should make your ears perk up and should make you say, okay, I want to know what you're saying. Like you should be on full alert mode right now because he said, I've learned the secret to contentment. And if you want to know how to be content, he's speaking to you this morning. Here's the secret. It's a very open secret, okay? Well, what's the secret, Paul? He comes to this verse 13, and here's what he says. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Or you, you might have it say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, I want to be uh, somewhat careful here because I know that this is a life verse for some people. I, I know that some of us, like we, it's, our, it's become our mantra. It's our slogan. It's uh, the thing that we say when we're getting ready to do something that we're not, we haven't been able to tackle or accomplish before. And, and for us, I think the sentiment's right, okay? I do. But I think sometimes maybe the theology is outside of its context. Although the sentiment is right, I think the context is, is wrong. And so I, what Paul's doing here, he's, he's given us this secret to being content right here. The answer to, to how he's made it through those highs and lows so that his life isn't mullet-like, okay? So I don't ride the ups and downs. I can have contentment no matter what. This is what verse 13 is telling us, that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I really don't think this, this is a, uh, a verse that we just kind of strap on uh, to anything that we want to do. I know it's been pasted on cups and, and mugs and bumper stickers, and it's on bookmarks, and you've probably got it somewhere around you. I, I know that, but I don't think this is one of those verses that just says, man, whatever I put my mind to, then Christ is going to give me the strength to do that. I, although that could be true, like he could very well do that. I don't think that's what this verse is saying, right? Like, like for me, I, I love basketball. Man, I do. I've loved it since I was a kid. And one of the things I wanted to do more than anything else in this world is, man, I just wanted to be a good, <clears throat> I just want to be a good dunker. Like, I just want to be able to just to jump up and just slam it down, um, whether it's just in an open gym by myself or slam it down on somebody else. I've just wanted to do that. But I don't think that me running down the court, dribbling, saying, um, uh, uh, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all, and then I get to the foul line and all of a sudden I just take off like Mike, right? And I just throw it down. I just don't think that's what this verse is talking about. What would have to happen is somebody would have to run down there real fast and lower the rim because I've got something that stands in my way. I've got ability that gets in my way. I just don't have the ability to do that. I'm just not wired to be able to play like that. And, and so somebody have to go down there and lower the rim. So I don't think that this verse is telling us we can do anything that we set our mind to. The, the NIV translation here says, I, I think it says it really well. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The this there is what Paul's been talking about. Knowing the context here is key. This is these things that I can endure the ups and the downs. I can endure through affluence and keep my eyes on Jesus. I can endure through hardships and keep my eyes on Jesus. This is the secret to contentment, no matter if we have a lot or whether we have a little. A life that's rooted in this relationship with Jesus, that's what's going to bring contentment in all circumstances. It's through Christ. I have everything that I need to be content in Jesus. That's what Paul is saying here. Contentment is found in him and in Christ alone. Not Christ plus something else. Christ alone. And so really contentment is completely unconnected to any of our circumstances. 
His contentment, it didn't go up and down based on whether he had things or whether he didn't have things. See, more stuff isn't going to make us more content. Less stuff isn't going to make us more content. Joy can never be based on whether we have stuff or not. Contentment can never be based on whether we have stuff or not. Actually, if we're basing our joy and our contentment on whether we have stuff, it's really a recipe for us having a joyless and a disappointed life because it's gonna go up and down. It's very circumstantial. So here's the quick question for us. What do you right now in your life think that you need in order to be content? What do you think that you need to have in order to be content? Do you need more stuff? Do you need a bigger house? Do you need a boyfriend? Do you need a girlfriend? Do you need a spouse? Do you need a car, a bigger car, a better car, a faster car, a cleaner car? Do you, do you need your own room? And maybe on the other side of that is maybe it's not having a bunch of stuff. Maybe it's like just stripping yourself of everything. Saying, man, if I could just get rid of all this stuff and if I could just go move into a hut in Africa, then I'll be content. Is it just getting rid of everything? Is that what you feel like you need in order to be content? When will you be content? What Paul's doing is he's teaching us this countercultural truth here that our contentment has nothing to do with our circumstances. It's solely and only found in Christ. He's the strength in any and every circumstance. I have everything that I need to be content when I have Christ. Some of you might be thinking right now, I mean, I, I, I think I've been kind of lacking some joy. I think I've been maybe a little bit discontent. I think I've found myself in that category. Um, and, and I don't want to stay there. I, I want to move out of that. I want to be somebody who's content. I want to be somebody who's full of joy. So how do, how do I do that? Well, I, I think one of the things that we do is like, we just realize, man, I can't change my circumstances. They are where they are. Circumstances may change, but it may not be because you're changing those circumstances at all. So I think what a healthy perspective for us to do is to take our focus off of the circumstance, take it off of whether I have a bunch or whether I have a little bit, and the focus on Christ. Whether I've got a little bit or whether I have a lot, I'm going to put my attention and everything is going to ride on you. It's not going to ride on anything else. It's going to be on you. So maybe for you right now, it's get your focus off your stuff or your lack of stuff and put it on Christ and Christ alone. That's where it belongs. That's the secret to contentment. And then I would say too, just, man, if it's really, if like, you really are, man, it's just killing you and it's keeping you from having this relationship with Jesus. I'll say, bring it to him, confess it to him, lay it down and, and say, Lord, I mean, my soul has not had peace in a long time. I've been chasing and chasing and chasing after things that I know are never going to satisfy me. And, and, and I would ask that you would just pray and say, Lord, let me be satisfied in you alone. Let me find my contentment in you alone. I don't want to be discontent. I want to be solely saturated satisfied, lingering with you and finding my joy in you. And I'm going to say that that probably takes a little bit of discipline. And so if you're an undisciplined person, this might be um, a little bit difficult. But good news is you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you who wants to lead you into that place. And so in that, bring it to the Lord. Take every thought captive. Last week we talked about that out of 2 Corinthians 10, 5, right? We, we said, 
Let's uh, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so if there are thoughts that are leading into, I need more, I want more, I've got to have more, or I've got too much and I've got to, I need to have left in order to be content, then, then I would say take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ and say, no, I don't. I'm satisfied in him and I'm satisfied in him alone. And I would say get into his word saturate yourself there because that's, that is a combatant against the thoughts of the enemy who wants to lead you down a path of, of inconsistency, who wants to lead you down a, a path of being discontent with where he has you right now in life. So get into his word. Find satisfaction in Christ. And then I would say just keeping in mind of the big picture that Paul has been pointing us to over the past um, four chapters, but over the past few months, right, is that we would realize that we are kingdom citizens, that we're no longer to be satisfied and controlled by the things of this world, but we are kingdom citizens who've been brought into this family, ruled and reigned by a different set of values. We don't have to chase this stuff. Like, we have him, and he is all we need, so we live in mind of the big picture. Take the stuff that he's given us. Use it for his glory. Use it to build his kingdom. That's what Paul says in verse 18, right? He uses verse 17. It's not about the money. It's about people knowing who Christ is. And my God is going to supply every one of your needs according to Christ Jesus, right? But the need there isn't a a material. Maybe it is, but it's not necessarily a material thing. So I'm going to give you everything that you need to endure. Give you everything you need for others to know who Jesus is. So take what he's given you. Use it for the kingdom of God. Take where you're at right now as an opportunity. If you don't have all that, don't desire that. Desire the relationship that you share with Jesus. Like get content with the big picture mentality. Let's live in light of eternity. Let's not chase after things that we don't need to be chasing after. And I think this is what it looks like for us. It's peace. Man, it's peace. It's rest. It's truly trusting that God's in control and that he's going to supply all of our needs so that we can endure any hardship or any affluence. It's going to lead us to a place of joy, uncontrollable, unspeakable joy, a place of contentment. We're going to be free from worry, concern. We're going to really embrace Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Anxiety and fear is not going to overtake us. We're going to have this thankfulness. We're going to be praying and we're just going to walk into the peace and walk out of the peace of Jesus that he gives us in our salvation. I have everything that I need in order to be content, and I have it in Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the time that we've had. Thank you for your time in Philippians. Thank you for your time in your word today. Thank you that we've been able to open up your word and we've been able to hear from you. And I'm just praying, Father, that you would speak clearly as we've been together and as we walk away. Lord, if we've been discontented, let us find our joy in you and you alone. Father, let us find our joy in places that we never saw it coming and give us a dependence on you and in you alone. Help us to live in light of eternity. You are all that we need. We love you. Amen. Love you, RCC.